Hello and welcome back to another episode of Under the Lights, the podcast that talks all things football, all things Saints. It's just a few days to go until the season kicks off. This episode, it's all about Saints. My name is Tom Murray. My name's Callum Wilson. This is Under the Lights and we're off to Kingston Corner. days left until uh, the season gets underway. Not such a long wait as it usually is through those summer periods with such a uh, a late uh, ending to last season. Strange to be on the 9th of September and still not have the season underway, but such is life at the moment in these strange times. This episode, uh, as Tom mentions, is is, uh, one all about Saints. It's been a few episodes since we've done one of these, since we've headed over to Kingsland Corner. We've obviously brought to you our uh, the 1-20 to 20 in the Premier League uh, predictions for next season. Of course, our uh, transfer tips for each club ahead of the uh, the start of that new season. And uh, we also had a look at our Premier League predictors from last year, which was, uh, which was fun in games. But back to Saints, kick-off on Saturday, as we record this, it's uh, it's Wednesday dinner time, and we've got Crystal Palace away at Selhurst Park for a fresh start, new season. We're going to go through a few things. Uh, we're going to be looking at the transfers that have been made so far. We're going to be having a little bit of a look at the uh, at the fixtures. We'll be looking at things like the, the new kits and the change of sponsors um, and just giving you an overall idea of what we think the uh, the season's going to look like for Saints. Uh, the bulk of this episode, or the main part, is um, it's going to be us going through every single position in the squad and giving it a rating uh, from 1 to 10, 1 being the uh, absolute bottom uh, if you have absolutely no centre-backs or you're left with one that is absolute dross, uh, that'll be a 1. A 10 out of 10 is uh, is if you've got Messi and Ronaldo up front. So, Tom, it's been a while since we've talked Saints. A couple of transfers through through the uh, through the door. A few changes at top level in terms of sponsorships and, and kits and, and all the hurrah about that. But how much are you looking forward to uh, getting back into the swing of things in what should be a a season of optimism for uh, for the Saints. I'm really excited for the season to get underway. I think that Palace is a good place to start. We've had really good fortune at Selhurst Park in the last few years, uh, winning the winning the last three. So it's a good place to start. But then again, Saints and the opening day of any season uh, is not really a match made in heaven. With the last time we actually won the opening day was against West Brom back in 2013. I think this is different. I know we began at the uh, beginning of last season with a lot of optimism under Hartland Hooter and then it took until November and a couple of horrific fixtures and results to actually get going. This time I feel it's different. I think that Ralph has finally, finally found the uh, the starting eleven that he wants to play and uh, I, I just can't wait for it to get started. I think I'm really positive about Saints this season. It's, it's interesting you say um, he knows the starting eleven. I think competition for places is important for any club who's going to have a... Uh, a solid season. Those at the top with the likes of Chelsea bringing in the signings, they're bringing in, they've got a player for two players, maybe three for every position. It'd be interesting. I think if you asked every Saints fan to put their one to 11, I think you'd probably have 10 or 11 
correct. I think it's it's pretty self-explanatory. But you've also got players who, who are pushing, maybe new signings, maybe ones that have um, had a really good run in towards the end of last season, maybe ones that uh, have come back from injury. So um, let's talk about the signings then, because I think the main question going into the start of the Premier League season, um, and if, if, if we take out the whole COVID scenario, because there will be some, some shocks and surprises last minute with the odd positive test and uh, I hope that doesn't affect too many people and um, and obviously Southampton players but I think with that side centre-back is probably the one question um, after such a, such a good end to the season with Stevens and Benarak after such a torrid time trying to find a, a centre-back pairing uh, Sue has come through the door the fans were calling for it but it was done long before it was announced what do you make of him and do you think he's going straight into the team? I don't know a great deal about Salisu. Uh, from what I've read, plenty of people have got a lot of good things to say about him. 21 years old, was courted by quite a few of the top clubs back in January, Manchester United being one that was heavily linked. He, has, he had quite a few good stats from last season in La Liga, uh, had an exemplary game against Barcelona from what I saw uh, on YouTube. But then again, we know that YouTube can make anyone look good. So... I think he won't be in the starting 11 straight away. I would be very surprised to even see him on the bench at Selhurst Park. Ralph says, and what we've heard from the club so far, is that it's going to be it's going to be a gradual movement into the team. I would say by maybe October, November, he'd probably be one of the first names on the team sheet in terms of actually then getting him involved. But I think, you know, he's young. He's been getting up to speed just to the fitness that Ralph wants him. And then, of course... We know how damaging it can be for a young player to throw them in the deep end in the Premier League where, you know, it's different from La Liga. It's a different style of players. There's, uh, you can be as rugged as you like in La Liga, but in the Premier League, it's just a step above. And especially games against Crystal Palace, games against Burnley as well. That's the third game of the season. That is not one, I mean, as a centre-back or a new signing, that, that Burnley away is a fixture that, you either roll up your socks and you get right into it or it's one that, you know, you just shy away and you'd rather be playing with 10 men. So I don't think he's going to start straight away, but I think maybe in a couple of months he'll be one of the first names on the team sheet. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's, he's left-footed centre-back, which is something that we lack, um, all right-footers at, at the back. So uh, I think in the end he's going to play, um, as you said, one of the first names on the team sheet, maybe, but he's certainly been brought in to play in that left centre-back role. It's just whether Stevens or Bednarak plays there, Vestergaard, I think we can agree, certainly right now, isn't really in the picture to start. But, you know, whether he, he, he impresses and, and pushes his way to the front of the queue, that's to be seen, but he's been left-wanted. It's interesting you mentioned the, the games against the likes of Burnley because Salisu sounds to me, and, and, and I don't know an awful lot about I'm not, I'm not going to try and pretend that I, I follow Valladolid every single game, every single season. But what I've heard from people who do watch the Liga, not even necessarily Saints fans, is that it's a real coup. And especially at the £11 million that we spent on him, it's a, it's a really good signing. A young player who the consensus is in a few years will be worth a lot more than that. He is a tough tackling, strong, good aerial defender who loves a battle. So when you were saying about uh, rolling up socks, I think that that's... I'd like to see him thrown in in that deep end. I'd like to see him take on the likes of Chris Wood at Burnley and, and see what he's really about because I think that's his game. He's obviously got pace as well. We've seen that. I've seen, you can see that on the YouTube uh, videos. He's, he's athletic and, and young. And I think he will be brought in 
what's, what will be interesting is whether Ralph Hasenhutl wants to play one battering ram and one ball player, i.e. Jack Stevens as the ball player, because we don't really have another one. What we've got is a Vestergaard, who's a battering ram. I mean, he can play sometimes, but you know he's 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 a bit of a giant, isn't he? You've got Bednarak, who is very much on the battering ram end of the scale. You know, very, he'll get rid of the ball, he'll defend, and that's what we really want from from Saints fans' point points of view. With the amount of goals we conceded first half of last season, I, I think we need to get the defending right. Do we play with two rugged, strong? defenders who will get rid and will concede less goals or do we complement a Bednarak with a Stevens or a Salasu with a Stevens because obviously Jack Stevens is primary attribute in, in my mind is that he can bring the ball out and he can play it well although I think he lacks defensively against uh, someone like Jan Bednarak so it'd be interesting to see where we go my, my perspective on it is we've got good attacking players we're, we're pretty much set in that regard, we could do with another central midfielder. Um, but what we need to focus on is defending because we didn't do it for the first half of last season. And although we did well after the restart, I still think defensively our positioning was all over the place. And for me, Jack Stevens still isn't defensively sound enough to be um, to be a regular in our team. And I would rather have a defence that can defend. What are your thoughts? I agree with, I agree with those points. I mean, a centre-back is something that we've been crying out for since Van Dijk left. And we've kept on trying to plug the gap. We thought that Hoot was going to be the answer. Definitely not. Uh, Danzo was brought in last minute at the end of the transfer window last summer. We thought maybe he could be the one to step up. Can't even remember if he was even played in centre back at, at all last season. He seemed to be shifted all over the place. And then I think under under Puel, like Stevens came up, and then him and Yoshida performed admirably for the remainder of that season. And then maybe the club got a bit complacent and thought that okay, we can you know these are good enough. And then obviously that season under uh, Pellegrino, it it just showed us that no, we can't. We do need a centre-back. And that's what we've been crying out for. And we've got one early in the window. Someone that you said seems like a real coup. What I'd be really disappointed to see at the beginning of the season is, and I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, we get, we get the team sheet for the first game and he's decided to go with three centre-backs against Palace. I don't think that's going to happen. But I know I'm, I'm, I'm excited about Salisu. From what everyone said, it seems all positive. Obviously, he's going to need a couple of games just to find his rhythm. But um, another defensive signing that I think that, that we've made, which we we are crying out for at the moment, and it's been a really good one, is Walker Peters. Now, we did have him on loan for the second half of last season, and I think that's really going to benefit us because he knows the style of play of Ralph. He doesn't need to get up to speed. He knows his teammates, and I thought he did really well last season. I know we you, you and I had the discussion of, can we get someone better than Carl Walker Peters? I mean, we... We still don't know. There's the remainder of the transfer window. Is they are they going to go out and try and get another person? We maybe thought Matty Cash, but he's gone to Aston Villa. I think Walker Peters for for the twelve million is a really good signing. We've got him. He suits the style of play. He knows the style of play, and he can go straight into that starting eleven at Selhurst Park. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly less of a discussion to be had on the signing of Walker Peters. Uh, Saints fans know what he's about. We saw what he could do last season. He's. Um, I think. I think we will see more from him. I think on loan in a disruptive COVID lockdown hit uh, half a season because was he only joined on loan in, in the January window because we're in such desperate need with uh, with Cedric obviously going off a uh, off a right back. I think getting a full season under his belt where he knows where his home is where he's you know he's he would have 
move down to Southampton. He'll know he's here permanently. He doesn't have to think, oh, am I here just to try and impress Mourinho? Am I here to try and win myself a move? Um, and I think he's going to fit in with that kind of young group that we've got with a real hard-working ethos. I got that from him, especially in, the, in the, his defensive display against Man City. You could see that he was willing to really work. The only problem we'll have, and we'll get onto that when we rate the positions, is that, I mean, he did get an injury. He, he joined us, and within one game, I think he was out for a few games injured. And we really do lack that right back if, uh, if he is out for a considerable period of time. So... I would have liked to have seen us maybe bring in a astute signing, maybe a young player from uh, the championship, maybe just spend a few million tops on him to kind of play second fiddle to Carl Peters. We'll see what happens. But yeah, he's certainly going to be starting at right back. And if he's fit, he'll be playing pretty much every game, including that, that opener against, uh, against Crystal Palace. That, that's it for the... Um, the inns at St Mary's it started really well we got those pretty much done early doors Salasu looked like it was ready to go from the off interesting to see whether he goes in or not I don't think fitness is too much of an issue because he played so late with another lead however a long time quarantine a long, time, a long delay on his announcement and um, and you don't, you don't know how much integration like you said and how much fitness he's, he's had but I'd like to get him in the team ASAP along with Walker Peters because suddenly we look we look a decent outfit defensively. We have lost a few players, not many of note, in all honesty, not many that Santa fans will be worried about, which is different to previous uh, transfer windows where you usually look at the players out and there are big fees, but almost irreplaceable players. We'll go through a few. Uh, Yoshida and Cedric both left. They're out on loan. They're, they're not... Um, they're not big dramas, although Yoshida obviously has been a fantastic servant. Lamina on loan to Fulham is an interesting one. Reed going to Fulham permanently, again, was on loan, so we're not really losing any of those two players. Elianusi extending his loan for another season at, at Celtic. Uh, scored a really good goal the other day. And then just a few young players who have, uh, who have gone, including Alfie Jones, who's, uh, who's gone the hole. So um, we'll, we'll wish him well and keep an eye on that. But the main one is um, early in the season club captain Pierre-Emile Hoiberg central midfield gone for about 16 17 million and we haven't yet brought someone in so it leaves us a little bit light there uh Ward Prowse Romeo will be the ones you think would start and then the only real backup there with any form of first team experience that's limited is Will Smallbone so um in terms of the the, the outs just quickly not really too bothered on any of that Hoiberg the only sort of first teamer there and to be honest, as long as we replace him, not, not really too much fuss on that, no, Tom? No, not really too much fuss. Uh, Lamina, Reed, and it looks like Wesley Hoot is going to go as well. I mean, they're players that we've not had really in the squad for the past few years. So no no loss there. Hoybier going does leave our central midfield pretty bare. Uh, yeah. But the club, Simmons, has said that we are. he'd be very surprised if we didn't bring in a centre mid by the end of the transfer window. I think the, the likes of... Smallbone and even Alex Jankovic are going to have a bigger part to play this season. Jankovic, I've heard a great deal about, and he seems like this is the year for him to step up. So, again, you know, we got players coming in, but with Ward Prowse and Romeo being the being the real pairing that have considerable Premier League experience, you get a bit worried if one of them was to get a bit get injured, and then we're left with maybe Romeo and Smallbone for a period of games and without the captain. Um, no qualms from me whatsoever. I would, however, be a little bit dubious 
about the transfer window, like a rating as a whole, if we were not to bring in a centre centre mid by the end of it? Yeah, there's business done early in the defence, which is good. However, we would have liked to have uh, sealed the deal. Obviously, Western McKinney was like our first choice, but we couldn't quite get there on the fee front. And obviously, Juventus uh, came in, and there's no real competition there um, on our on our part to try and uh, to try and bring the American in. So we're looking at alternatives, as, as Martin Simon says. Away from the transfer market, then I mean, it, it's been it's been an odd preseason because there hasn't really been much of a preseason. Um, only a few games, all behind closed doors, and quite contrasting, really. Uh, the first one with well, I say two teams, but it was swapped around quite a few times, wasn't it? Got got the whole squad used against Swansea. Then there was a sort of an under twenty threes clash against new championship boys, Coventry City, and then uh, and then just the other weekend, Fulham, but obviously a lot of international players missing there. So in terms of actual competitive pre-season games, really limited pretty much to one game uh, against Swansea first time round. And do, do you have much issue with that? Or do you think actually it's such a short break between the end of last and beginning of this that pre-season is, is, is almost a new entity for everyone this year. I feel like the way that Saints have handled it at the moment is it seems to be more of an extended break rather than an actual pre-season because the players haven't gone away on holiday and then need to suddenly build up their fitness after no football for a, like a month and a half or whatever. I think, I don't know, know this for certain, but I expect there'll be a number of other friendlies that we just ha- don't know anything about that have happened behind closed doors. I mean, the only way that we've really found out from the club is if someone's managed to get a picture of the scoreboard from Craven Cottage and then the leak of the actual Swansea game, I think, maybe forced the club to bring out highlights of it when maybe they wouldn't have done because they didn't really let anyone know that it was going on. And I can... I can understand why they're doing that because obviously they don't want to draw attention to the stadium that a match is going on and then want fans to maybe try and get a glimpse of the players, etc. I'm sure a lot of people are sensible, but then it's the ones who are not. So in terms of pre-season, the one that we did hear about, the 7-1 against Swansea, I mean, you don't want to read too much into friendlies, but that's a great result considering they were 7-0 up after about, I think it was about 40, 45 minutes. So, you know, that's good to see that the, and, and there was some good football in there. Some really good finishes as well. So it's great to see Ings still banging them in and Adams to be quite clinical with his finish as well. We won't really know how it's all gone until we're on the pitch against Crystal Palace. But the way the Saints managed to do their sort of fitness before Project Restart, where we had played that sort of similar friendly against Bristol City, it seemed that we had only played the one or two games behind closed door. And then look how that came out and we played brilliantly. So I've got no qualms whatsoever. It worked I'm happy with the way that Ralph has got the side going and the proof will be in the pudding at Selhurst Park. I mean, really not a lot to talk about in terms of pre-season. There's there a few results. It's about keeping match fitness ticking over, especially for those players who don't have the international games that we've just had. Um, let's talk about the main uh, talking point of the field then with the, uh, with the club sponsor. We'll go into the kits and what we think of them soon but the whole release of the kit and then re-release because the main shirt sponsor and club sponsor itself uh, changed from Audi Sports to uh, Sportsbet IO I believe it is What's, uh, what was your take on that? I, I always I always felt a bit dodgy about LD Sports from the off, especially looking at their website and you know the misspelling of player names there didn't really seem to be much information about them 
I don't really know anything about them. I don't know about the deal. I thought it was a bit, so they, they were certainly an odd company. And then of course it came out that it was what Saints most ludicrous sponsorship deal that they've ever had. And then it was for a company that no one really knew anything about. In terms of aesthetics, I much prefer the new sponsor on the shirt. The LD Sports logo is a bit of an eyesore. This one is far more sort of sort of blends in, doesn't stand out as much. It's not as brash as the other one. And uh, I think it makes the kits look good. Obviously, they've now got a situation where thousands of kits have been bought by fans with the wrong sponsor on it. I saw some people on Twitter saying that their sponsor started to come off and other people are actually asking, how do you do that? You know, it looks so much better without it. So, I mean, I'm sure they'll deal with it in the right way. Um, they've got to deal with it in the right way, really, because a lot of people have spent money on a shirt that isn't right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It did seem an odd one. I think generally the, the, the first thing fans think is, uh, "Oh, the kit looks hell of a lot better," which it does. Uh, with such an ugly logo from the from the club's point of view, I mean, it seems that there's still a dispute because um, the end of the sponsorship agreement hasn't yet come. There's still, I believe, another year on it. So I think uh, the club are looking into um, into the finances and who owes who money, uh, all, all those sorts of things, because obviously we've been um, we've been displaying and advertising that company and presumably the money. You know, I don't, I'm not going to speculate, but it sounds like there's some outstanding payment. It would be interesting, really, with the, sponsor, with the sponsor being from where it is and our chairman, who we hear very little from, not sure how much involvement he had in uh, in that being the main sponsor and, and of course then making us more of a global brand and, and more, not, more well known over in Asia sounded like a pretty good idea um, the main re- reason was again was, was money we, we got such a good deal from them as a, as a sponsor that it, that, that it was almost too good to be true it seems um, which turns out that that's the way it was so yeah it was lucrative and the club say that they've lost out a few million now that they have another another sponsor. However, that all seems to be sorted. We've got a new sponsor for the season and the uh, the Audi Sports one will need to be taken care of. But at least the shirts are done. They're going to be sent back out to uh, to fans, I believe. And, you know, a few grumbles about the fact that there's a betting company and a betting site. But... At the end of the day, it's it's a sponsor and they're paying money to the club. So um, I don't really have too much of an issue uh, with that. In terms of the kits themselves, mentioned previously uh, a few a few weeks ago on our last Saints podcast that we um, real fans of them. Uh, I think the, the away one has come out since then. As bad as the kits were last season, these ones are, um, are a vast improvement, aren't they? And, and I include the goalkeeper's kit in that. Four of those kits, are, I think, are really nice. I'm a massive fan of them. I think my personal favourite is the third kit, but I think that's pretty much everyone's favourite at the moment. The white with the uh, with the red sash, very much like the first ever kit of uh, of Southampton, and then of course the uh, the League One promotion years. Big fan, big fan of that one. I think that one's going to be worn at Selfest Park, so the fir- that'll get its first outing there. I think the away kit, the blue, is smart. Maybe I, I was a bit surprised that the shorts were a different tone of blue and the socks. It doesn't quite. It, and I mean, I don't, I, I don't dislike it, but something just looks a little bit off there with the colour scheme. But I think just, the idea is that it goes with the trim, isn't it? I think they've tried to. It, it's almost, it almost looks like an accident. But when you see the sleeves and the sort of there's a light or, or a royal blue trim on, the, I think the collar and the sleeves that they've then tried to to integrate with the with the shorts. But obviously the, the navy blue bulk of the of the shirt compared to those shorts, it almost looks like it's. Um, 
someone's pressed the wrong button on Dulux shot. So, um, yeah, and interestingly, on that third kit, I think part of the reason why people liked it was the gold of the logo as well, which now isn't the case. It's a black logo. The, the Sports Betio one is, um, is, is now gone to normal black. So as bad as the sponsor was for Audi Sports, I think the gold taking away from that uh, white with a red sash a little bit. But yeah, I, I think it's still the preference mainly. I quite like the home kit. The, the, the inverse of that I, I don't think it's had much of um, much of a review but I think if you know if I were to buy one I think I might be looking at that because it's pretty different to what we've had before I like it I like all of them I mean we've got three cracking cracking strips and you know it, it, I, do, I do like the first one got a 100% record in it so far with that win against Sheffield United so I'm, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing us uh, playing I'm looking forward to seeing us playing all of them to be honest they're, they're all cracking considering the three that we had last season which weren't weren't great Although the announcement with that, with the fire, the Saints Festival thing was uh, was very very well done. But um, this this year, the kits they're all spot on. They're brilliant. Big That's fans. as he got last year, wasn't it? The, the announcement. Also, the the goalkeepers will be happy not to stand there in a sort of luminous pink or baby blue number this season. They've got a nice kind of um, yellow, almost a bit draft print, um, which actually makes for a great segue into our um, into our next part of this of this podcast which is to go through and review and give our scores out of 10 to the squad depth squad quality in each position and we'll start with those goalkeepers where we have plethora of choice which wasn't always the case and didn't seem to be halfway through last season Angus Gunn obviously came in and was um, and made his way into number one he had a few games where where he was poor notably the the demolition job of Leicester at St Mary's he didn't really then come back into the squad, replaced by McCarthy, who was a bit iffy, has been whenever he's had the chance, never really cemented himself as number one. But he uh, he had it all the way through to the end of the season. And, and uh, after lockdown, I think he was one of our best players, if I'm honest. He really uh, come of age. And I think Saints would have been looking for a new goalkeeper in the transfer window had he not had such a, a brilliant time of it in those last five, uh, those last nine games. Throw into the mix the forgotten man, Fraser Forster, who... Um, we're, we're paying his wages and they're pretty hefty so we might as well have him down here he didn't want to stay in Celtic anymore I think he's better than that and of course we've got young Harry Lewis who um, who makes an appearance on the bench here and there and, and tends to uh, tends to join them to train pre-match so do we have to lose one of them if so who and who's the number one how do you see it it's really interesting I mean I'd give Harry Lewis a loan out to go and get some game time because as good as it is having a young goalkeeper you know, you want him to actually go and get match experience. If he is suddenly called upon and we have an injury crisis, although it'd have to take several goalkeepers to get out of the way for him. I'd send Gun out on loan as well, uh, just to get him some consistent football. Because I think this season we're going to go with McCarthy as first choice and then Forster as second choice. Because let's not forget, as good as he was up at Celtic, his last couple of years at Saints has been quite error-prone, quite torrid. And who knows? I, I, it really depends on whether he can find the form of old. So I've given, I'll get out of 10 for goalkeepers. I've given us a seven purely because, you know, McCarthy is a great keeper. I think he's really done quite well, especially at the end of last season. But from what I've seen so far of Gunn, Forster and Lewis, none of them strike a huge amount of confidence in me. Um, even McCarthy is prone to the odd, odd flap. So I think that they're all consistently seven out of tens. There's definitely better goalkeepers out there, but you know it, it, it's a it's a solid area of the pitch. We have similar quality goalkeepers lined up to uh, to come in if needs be. Yeah, I've got I've 
I've got us, um, I'm slightly more generous, I've got us an eight. I think it's one of the strongest positions we are, but purely based on depth. I don't think you have many, many clubs in the entirety of the Premier League that have got three goalkeepers that you can argue are, have the ability to be a number one in the Premier League. Um, I think Angus Gunn, as you said, is the third choice. That's where he finds himself and he was linked with a move away and Leeds were looking at him. So a Premier League club, obviously Forster's has done it before. And um, and it's McCarthy's jersey to um, to lose at the moment. I think he's earned himself the right to start as number one after the close of last season. So I'd go with an eight. Um, I wouldn't go any higher than that because, again, McCarthy is the best of the three. And I still think there are better goalkeepers at this level out there, although he seems to be improving, which is great for, for a goalkeeper of his age. So I'd go with uh, an eight out of ten. And I do think that Angus Gunn will leave, whether it's permanent or on loan, I'm not sure. But um, I think it will depend as well. I want to have a look at Forster in training. If he was like he was when, when he left us, short confidence, pretty useless, then, then they might try and get rid of him in some way, shape or form. But if he's looking good, somewhat near to uh, back to his best, then it's a great fight for that number one spot. So mean average, we got about seven and a half out of ten on, on the keepers then. Let's go to right back then. I'm interested to see what, what you'd rate the right back situation because obviously we've bought more competitors uh, to strengthen that. But where, where do you see it out of ten? What's your mark? I've given it a six out of ten. Because Walker Peters, I think, is pushing up maybe a seven or eight on his own. But then if he gets injured, you're left with Jan Valerie and his past four, past few appearances and, and lack of last season. Don't feel me with confidence at all. He had to get shirked off at half time against Arsenal because he was that poor. And then Walker Peters came on and really solidified down that right side. So currently, I don't think that Valerie has the, the ability to do it in the Premier League. I'd love to be proved wrong. So I, I've given it a six because Walker-Peters were fine. If he gets injured, then right back becomes our weakest area of the team straight away. So I'm going to give it a six. Yeah, I'd, I'd go, I'd, I'd, I'd give it a five out of ten. I think uh, Walker-Peters is a good level. He's, uh, you know, in terms of a first-choice right back, we have a, a young Premier League, Premier League experience, Premier League quality right back. So happy with that. However, we have zero afterwards. Jan Valerie has proven to be a huge weakness if he's on the pitch. And uh, and if both of them aren't there, then um, then our only option is to put James Ward-Prowse there. And then that takes away from uh, one of our best players in the team and our captain. It takes him away from that central midfield spot. And obviously then, you know, then we're weak in two areas. So uh, a five out of ten for me. Stronger on the other side of the, uh, of the defence, though, that left back. Uh, we've got Bertrand and then we've got a young Jake Vokins who I'm hoping we'll see a little bit more of this season, whether it be in the Cups, whether he gets a little bit of a go in the league in those uh, congested periods. Ryan Bertrand just turned 31, so not old, still uh, still got years left in him and, and it doesn't look like slowing down, but now might be a good time to slowly start giving the experience of Premier League football and in that house and hotel team to uh, Jake Vokins. I put us at a trying to decide between a, a six and, and a seven. I'll give us a seven because I really rate Bertrand and I think he's better than Walker Peters based on what we've seen over the years. The the relationship he's got with Redmond and going forward he offers a lot. Really good defensively too. And Vokins better than Valerie on the limited appearances we've seen from Vokins. I just get the feeling that if if Bertrand did have an injury he'd be a youth player that we could get excited about and we could bring through and actually wouldn't be to our detriment too much. So I'll give us a 7 out of 10 at left-back. I've gone for 7 as well. Purely, again, Bertrand is, for me, an 8 or a 9 out of 10 player. I think he's one of the best left-backs in the league. 
And then, of course, you've got young Jake Bokens, who's certainly not a bad player. He looks good. I would like you. I want to see him get a bit more game time this year. So it's a seven. Great starter and not a bad apprentice, as it were. But it's not quite enough to push it up to an eight because Jake Bokens obviously just has that lack of Premier League experience. What about centre-back then? Do you want to do this as a centre-back as one position? Or do you want to do kind of a Stevens and Bednarak on the right centre-back and then Vestergaard and Sally Sue? As a left, how do you want to play this? I'm happy to go as a collective because we've seen them all play in those different roles just in different parts of the season. Yeah. I've given them a seven. I, I've, I've given it a seven because we still don't know how good Salisu is. And I'd like to think that he can be better than what we've got. And I'm hoping that he is better than what we've got. Because otherwise, what would be the point of, of signing him if he's of a similar level when we want to make that step up? Bednarik and Stevens and Vestergaard, they all have that moment of madness where they can slip, misjudge, maybe lash out and get themselves a, a, a reckless booking. So playing as a collective, they're solid, I think. Bednarik and Stevens showed that they were solid towards the end of last season, but we just know that they do have that error in them. And more so than I think a lot of other defences in the Premier League. And that was definitely highlighted at the beginning of last season. Yes, they're in good form, but obviously confidence is an issue. If we start the season poorly, then they could be a liability once more. I hope Silly Sue can bring that up and bring that level up. But I'd give it a seven because I think as a collective, they are solid and there are a couple of decent options that you can put together in a Premier League side. Yeah, I'd agree with the seven. I think that's a testament <laughs> as well to the... Um to the players that were there last season because if you asked me this question in early November probably would have given them a, a three and that would have been generous so they were the liability they were the weakness and they weren't just the weakness of the team they were such a weakness that they were taking us to the championship so for Ralph and those centre-backs to turn things around and the team it's testament to them um, I think Bednarak is our best defender in terms of the players that we know if we if we move Salisu to the side for a second He's our best defender. I think he is Ralph's first choice. We saw that last season. He rarely missed a minute. Stevens is, is next, and then and then Vestergaard is is holding the rest of them up, bottom of the list. You then throw in Salisu, who we expect to be the man that we've craved at St Mary's for a good few seasons now since Van Dijk left. And all of a sudden, if he comes good, then you know we may be looking at more of an eight. But um, that's that's to be seen. I, I'd go, uh, yeah, I'd go with a seven out of ten, and that's based on the fact that after Project Restart, the whole team were solid going forward and defensively. We got a lot of points, and away from home, we had the third best record in, in the league, including those early months. So, actually, yeah, you've got to be pretty sturdy to be able to come away with points away from home. So, yeah, fair play to them. They've improved individually um, and as a unit. And I'd give them a seven with the optimism of a bit of an unknown signing coming in. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have seen a year ago or ten months ago us saying a seven out of ten for our centre-backs. But they've, they've come a long way since then. Let's talk about the central midfield area now then, because this is an interesting one. This is where we are arguably at our lightest. This is where we would, 95% of Saints fans would probably say that we need a body in. Um, with the loss of Hoibier, missed out on McKenney. We're, we're short on numbers in there, aren't we? We've got Walprouse, likes up the overall rating because he's been brilliant. We've got Romeo, who's solid. And I really hope Romeo does get a run in this team because if he can get back to his, um, his form under those sort of Kuman days, he was a, an absolute rock. He was often our best player on a regular basis. 
So we can get him back to there. And then Smallbones, as good as he promises to be, then we've got three really good central midfield options, but that's it. And we need a fourth. So where, where do you sit? Would you concur with that? Would you add anything or disagree with anything? Aside from Romeo and Ward Prowse, one of them gets injured and then it's Smallbones. And if you have any more, then we're starting you know, picking up the scraps and we're throwing in some youth players or maybe putting people out of position unless we were to get a signing. But at the moment, we don't. We, we don't. So we're just going to rank it as it is. I'm struggling to... I'm, I'm picking between a six and a seven at the moment because, well, Romeo and War Prowse are fantastic options. Those two together in a Premier League side, brilliant. They could play for a lot of the top... I'd say like the top eight sides would have either one of those players. Now... As soon as you wipe them off, the the squad depth just goes sort of out the window. So if we had a bit more squad depth, and we if we bring in a signing, I'd happily you know put if and then you had it as uh, Warprows, Romeo, um, Smallbone, and question mark, then I'd happily give it an eight. But at the moment, I'm going to give it just about a seven because those are good options, and Smallbone has got Premier League experience. But you take you take a couple of those out of that, at, and then you're looking at a, a reserve squad. Yeah, I'd go with a six. I wouldn't go any higher than that. The reason being, if I'm giving right back five then uh, because of its lack of depth then I can't really go much higher than that for the central midfield I think if Ward like, like we were saying if Walker Peters gets injured we're stuffed if Ward Prowse gets injured we're not far off that because we've got two players who can play there and they'd have to play every game and one of them is um, is just a lad and the other one is Romeo who is limited in what he does so because we'd still have options just about if, if our best century midfielder got injured I'd give us a six and on the basis that Ward Prowse is one of the names in that list and he was one of our best players last season and is probably more valuable a player than Walker Peters so I'll give us a six out of ten but I don't expect that to be the case come the 5th of October when the window closes because I think we'll have another very capable and potentially first choice central midfielder. be interesting to see who because we've been, it's been no secret that we've been looking for a player in that position for a while. McKenney was on the cards and Cham doesn't seem to be favoured. He's been in, in an option for a while in, in the rumour mill. Um, the lad from Alkmaar seemed to kind of come and go as a, as a brief ru- brief rumour. Um, so it'd be interesting to see who is on that list for Arsenal and, and what they're working on. As Simmons says, sounds like the game, doesn't it? Simmons says, um, he's, uh, he says that we're going to get a, a, a central midfielder and he'd be very surprised if we didn't. And he, he knows what's going on behind the scenes. So six out of 10, but with the hope that, like you said, that could quite easily go up to an eight we got a really good central midfielder in an upgrade on Hoybjerg which I don't think is beyond the realms of possibility to be honest next to next to um, Prowse with Romeo as, as a, a capable rotation player and then Smallbone being thrown in every now and again as you use the prospects then all of a sudden it could be like up up best area of the pitch just with one signing let's start then I think I think it's going to be very contrasting with that left wing position and that right attacking midfield option uh, you asked me before this if we were going to do the kind of attacking midfielders as a whole, but I think it's I think it's important to treat them separately because I think we the way Saints play, we've got a a winger on the left and we've got an inside right attacking midfielder mm. on the right, and the depth and the options we have in each of those positions are both quite contrasting. Let's start with the left then, where I would give us a what do I give us a ten? I. It's quite a hard one, this, because there's a lot of unknowns in there. I'll give us an eight, 
And the reason I give us an eight is because we've got three players who I think have the ability to play in the Premier League at that level. Redmond is our first choice and has been for a while. And I think he, he, he did well after restart. You know, he gets a lot of grief from some Saints fans. But I think he's um, I think he's a strong option. He's getting better in this house and hotel system. Uh, suits it really well. You've got Gineppo, who could take the league by storm if we can keep him out of the physio room. Um, signed him last season, about 12 million, barely got him on the pitch. But when he was... He looked a real kind of maverick player. You know, he, he looked all limbs and he looked all over the place, but was constantly in control. And he's uh, brilliant at drawing a foul, taking players on one-on-one. I think he could be a real spark. Um, and then you've got the enigma that is Sofian Buffal, who with every season goes another season where he hasn't proved it. But I just think that I'm just waiting for the point where it all clicks because with him, he's got the potential to be one of our best players, technically. And I think this is the manager that he could do it under. It's a shame. He was he was turning into a, a decent player until he got that injury against Villa in the first half and um, started to get a run in the team. So I think we're really strong there. Uh, the reason I won't go any higher than that is because actually two of those players haven't proven it yet. And Redmond isn't an 8 out of 10. So that's why I wouldn't go any higher than that. Go with an 8 as well. Uh, I, I agree with that because have got three solid options on that left side. And all of them have like the ability to excite if they come on. If you've got Redmond, then you know what you're getting with Redmond. You're getting a guy who's going to get the ball run towards the opposition box. And he knows the way that Arsenal Hoover wants to play, being the, being the first choice. Jenapo, I think... Once he gets out of the physio room, he he's looked at an absolute live wire. And um, there's been the times where he can take it round several players. And I think if he can just get his mature his game, that he knows when to offload the ball rather than go on mazy runs in the entirety of the time, then again he could be a, he could be a standout player for us. And then with Buffal, you never know really what you're going to get. He can excite fans. He can get fans off their seats and just perform that one trick that just gets him past. Uh, a couple of players, and then suddenly you've got a great opportunity to get a goal. So on that left side, we we have quite a few good options, and any one of those players on the team sheet is someone that you look at and think, okay, yeah, we've got some excitement going forward. On the right, however, it's different because you've got Armstrong and then maybe Smallbone if you were to take him out of the centre mid position. And then for that reason, I'd give it, I'd have to give it a six because Armstrong is a fantastic player. And I think he's actually one of the most underrated players that we have because he is so consistent and he is a really good threat. And he knows the system inside and out. He's been fantastic on that right side. But he gets injured and then suddenly you're moving players about to fill that gap because there is no one behind him, really, that can go on that right side and do what he does to the same level. As, uh, as I mentioned in our uh, in our transfers uh, episode on uh, two episodes back for uh, where, we, where we did one player each for every Premier League club that we thought they'd need, Central midfield is one that you said, which I agree, but I highlighted this area because Stuart Armstrong has been said in the past by Arsenal who can't play three games in a week and all of a sudden we're playing someone potentially out of position. Like you said, Smallbone did that job off the bench here and there when he came on after Project Restart. I agree, he's the new, student, the new Stephen Davis, isn't he, Stuart Armstrong? Um, almost called him Stephen Davis then, that's almost a hybrid Stephen. Um, I think he's uh, a lot of similarities in a lot of ways. Both both played up in Scotland, both not English but British, and they're both hard-working, consistent players who I think started as central midfielders and, and sort of found their way out to that inside right midfield area. I'll give it a 6 out of 10 because we don't have... Um, uh, 
another option. And and if you listen to that podcast, you'll see who we who I uh, who I suggested would be a potential signing. But six out of ten, Armstrong is carrying that on his own. Smallbone might go out there, or we might play someone like Redmond or Buffao out there. But then they're they're not playing as a winger because they're tasked to play inside a lot more. So uh, um, this is a very niche position, I think, and Armstrong fits into it like like hand in a glove. Let's then go on to the last position, and for me, it's probably our strongest. It's a strange one, really, because is it our strongest, is it not? The fact that we've got Danny Ings boosts it by like three, but a lot is riding on the promise of Shea Adams. Shane Long is a player that I really, really like. But he needs goals as a striker, which he doesn't get. And over Femi, I personally don't think is good enough. It'd be great if he was in the end. I just don't see that. I see him being maybe a championship player when it comes to it. When he kind of gets past that youth age and he still hasn't made it. That's Saints. I just don't see him being a first-choice player once he gets to that kind of 23, 24 age and he has to move elsewhere. I think he's likely to be a championship player. I'm going to go with an eight because I think I don't, I don't think that left wing position is better than the striking options that we have, um, and I gave that an eight. So Danny Danny Ings is is you know we got the second top goal scorer in the league, so he boosts that. If Che Adams can start firing, then suddenly we're up maybe to an eight and a half nine. But we do have options. We do have strength and depth. I would like us to send Oberfemi out on loan and bring in someone else. However. Well, I don't know. They are looking at strikers apparently, but I don't see it as a as a uh, as a priority for Arsenal. So um, yeah, I'd go with uh, with an eight. If we lose Danny Ings, we might struggle for goals, and a lot is going to be riding on Che Adams because Shane Long is experienced and is a good player, but he's not a goal scorer. Yeah, I've gone for eight out of ten as well, and that is purely held up by Danny Ings because you remove him from that trio, and then what you're left with is I'd say maybe um maybe a six and then if Adams can find his scoring boots in this season then that goes up to a seven because without Danny Ings you're taking what 25 goals out of the side 25 goals in all competitions and that is a, a hefty chunk I'm really positive about Shay Adams I think he is going to do well this season but he's got to prove that and at the moment it's not proven yes he's got a few goals at the end of last season and he looks in good nick but He's got to start banging them in from day one. This season, then, if he does like last like last season and maybe comes close a few times, then the confidence drops and then suddenly we're in a bit of a pickle up front. And then if Danny Ings were to get injured, then it will be uh, all hell break loose. Yes, yeah, so those are our ratings for the uh, for the squad. Me and Tom think that we're strongest up front, left wing, and we've got some really good depth in between the sticks. But the weakness is uh, is right back and central midfield and uh, and maybe even on that right hand side of uh, of midfield so the right wing and the central midfield really yeah, a, a little bit of a weakness if you agree great let us know if you don't uh, tell us where you think we've got it wrong what we overlooked just before we go on to next season I just thought obviously we're just off the back of, a, of a, an international break two of our lads got themselves into the England team both made appearances Danny Ings making his first appearance in a long long time and well deserved with the goals he got last season, the performances he put in. Will Prowse with his first ever start for England. I'm, I didn't make much of the games, to be honest. What did you make of, uh, just briefly, of uh, both of our boys and, and, and what man, they managed to put in for uh, the three Lions? I'm happy that they were involved. It's really, really good for them. And it, you know, it, it was reward for such a brilliant season last season. Um, I'm happy that they actually played as few minutes as they did. 
Danny Ings especially because I want him to do well for Saints and he's going to come back hopefully in one piece and he'll be fine after smashing heads together with Kieran Trippier. So <laughs> you've got to watch that, by the way. If you haven't seen it, you've got to watch it. It's fantastic. It is. I, I, I watched it. It's one of those that does make you wince and they've hit their heads together so quickly that it doesn't even look like they've hit their heads together. Yeah, it's, not, it's not fantastic. I just I just thought, when I went to watch it, I thought there was it was going to be like a header. They're both going up for the ball when, they, when you hear the clashed heads. When you see how they did it, it's um, it's pretty comical. <laughs> it is pretty comical. Wall Prowse, obviously, he did, the camp, he did the dark arts with the penalty spot, says he was just trying to waste time. But we all know what you were doing, James. Your studs were... We're definitely working the penalty spot there. He's becoming that kind of player for us, isn't he? Mm. You know, getting get under the skin of Zaha, putting in little niggly fouls. He's a nuisance to play against. It, it seems to be his game under Ralph. It really does, and I'm looking forward to seeing um, Will Prowse versus Zaha, the uh, like the four-three match. So that's going to be that's going to be great. But he was played out of position by Southgate. He's he's not an attacking midfielder, and a lot of people will have said, well, he did absolutely nothing, but. If you're not going to play him in the right position, then you're not going to really see what he can do. And then, of course, when when England did get a set piece outside the box, they let someone else take it. So you're not you're not making the use of it. Danny Ings, for getting 22 goals last season, absolute criminal to be just given the last few like the last 15 minutes against Iceland and then nothing against Denmark and then playing seven at the back versus Denmark. I mean, Southgate, what are you doing? So. From a Saints perspective, I'm happy. I'm glad they got their caps. Lovely, jubbly. They're going to come back having played very little football, really. Danny Ings especially. They're going to come back wrapped in cotton wool, ready to get going at Selhurst Park. Yeah, for me, uh, just quickly, Wall Prowse and Phillips played in the wrong games. They should have been played in the different formations. Like you said, Wall Prowse playing in a 3-4-3, a central midfield pairing with Rice. He would have um, he would have preferred to play there, whereas Phillips could have made his way into sort of a triangle maybe in that um, game against Iceland in the middle of the field. And Danny Ings, I mean, it doesn't matter what you do in the Premier League. Uh, Harry Kane, despite the fact that he's absolutely useless when he's playing on, on empty and he's running on empty, seems to get 90 minutes or near enough every single game. And then club and country both wonder why he's never fit and he's always injured. I think if Danny Ings and Will Prowse have been playing in that formation, I think it would have given us a little bit more, but I think England were pretty shoddy anyway. Right, last on the agenda then, Tom, let's have a look at next season let's have a look firstly at the first few games just briefly what are you expecting for Saints I mean looking at that you'd hope for a pretty fast start wouldn't you yeah looking at the first three fixtures I'm hoping for all three points against Palace I'd actually be quite disappointed if we didn't come away with the win uh, just from Palace's contrasting forms at the end of last season, absolutely shocking. Their team, I've had a look at it. It's really, with the injuries they've got, it's down to the bare bones. Apparently, the, even the likes of Riedewald are going to play, have to play in central mid and they're going to have to play a young, young lad at left back. And then as a... We'll, we'll, go, in, we'll go into the Palace game a little bit more of a, of a microscope. But let's, in terms of the first six to eight games, it looks pretty good for Saints. Let's have a, a brief overview of that. Where do you think we could be by the beginning of November? We've said in our last episode, in our 1-20, to where me and Tom both think Saints will finish. We actually uh, agreed on it. If you want to know what that number is, then uh, it was the last podcast before this one. So um, have a little listen of that. What do you think to our opening fixtures? It looks... It looks pretty handy, doesn't it? It does look pretty handy. And I reckon we could be, come November, we could be quite high up the table. But that does that does depend on us having that home form. You know, we got the likes, yeah. of, we got the likes of West Brom, where a lot of people 
initially we'll just look at that and say, okay, that's three points. That's a win right there. But Saints and playing at home hasn't been uh, hasn't been great over the last few years. And we may be lulled into that false sense of security. I expect to win against Palace. Burnley, I'd be happy with the point. I mean, we're playing Chelsea and Everton. Again, tricky games. But going in the form of last season, there's no real match that we can really fear at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's, it's difficult not to see us winning a lot of points because you usually look at the fixtures and go oh yeah well some of the away games are a bit tricky but that's where we're picking up our points so we're looking at Chelsea away and going that's the hardest game but we could get something from that and then the game before home to West Brom dropping three points that we really should be getting it's, it's a bit of a weird one sort out the home form and we could be flying I, honestly in the first eight games I mean we could we could definitely see ourselves in the top six to start with Palace away Tottenham at home, Burnley away, West Brom at home, then that tricky tie away at Stamford Bridge at Chelsea, home against Everton, away against Villa, home against Newcastle. There's a lot of teams there that could be struggling by the time we play them and Saints could get off to a, to a really, really decent start. Do you think, uh, you know, I'm not expecting us to be challenging for the Champions League by the end of the season, but would you expect much of an improvement without giving away where you think we'll finish in terms of uh, the, the season as a whole if all goes off without a, a problem? I, I think we could be definitely challenging the uh, the top the top eight of the table. I think that is, that's got to, that, that's got to be the aim. Um, I think that with the way that we're playing, if we carry that form over, then there's no reason why we can't. Right, this, as you were uh, alluding to it a bit earlier, and let's go into a bit more detail. First game of the season, everyone on level points. Southampton fans, I was certainly hoping for an away game to start the season, and we got it. Couldn't really have asked for a better one, because Crystal Palace, we've got such a good record, as you mentioned. I hope that, you know, our record in the first day of the season isn't great, but Southwest Park, we tend to get the job done, whether it's a midweek game, whether it's a Saturday kickoff early in the season, late in the season, we seem to get something there, and usually three points. They're missing Van Arnholt, Cahill, Tompkins, Sacco, and uh, Ferguson, who they got uh, they got in, presumably as a starting right back. So you can you really think that they'd have Ward at right back, the young um, lad Mitchell at left back, and then Scott Dan alongside Martin Kelly at centre-back, unless you're going to put Coyote there. So... Suddenly, those options, Eze, we don't know if he's, if he's going to be fit. He's got a bit of a groin knock, so the lad they just brought in. And the only fit striker they have is um, is Ayu, although Zaha has been banging in the goals in a forward position in pre-season. So is it a really good opportunity to, to get three points in an away game first day of the season? You know, they're, they're, they're missing key players. Their big signing that they're all excited about, and I'm excited about, Eze may not even... You know, he may not even be in the starting eleven. He may only get maybe half an hour at the end of the game. By which, by which point, I'd expect Saints to be comfortably in the lead. I mean, it is one of those. It is just one of those games where it looks too good to be true, and it would be typical Saints to struggle and go down to a one-nil loss with everything going for them. I'm, I'm expecting a win. As I said, I'd be disappointed if we didn't get one. I mean, they're down, they're down to the bare bones. Their last seven or eight fixtures of last season, they got one point and lost all the rest. And the way that Saints have been going, everything seems to be positive over the summer. The, the team really seemed to be clicking. Yeah, I, I, I can't actually see anything other than a Saints win. And and with that in mind, uh, I'm sure we'll go down to that 1-0 loss first day of the season. It's always difficult to predict something on the first day of the season. It's the hardest time of the year to, to predict. There's always something some sort of scoreline someone turns up someone doesn't and there's always a shock scoreline I, I remember it was Blackpool when they couldn't get any signings bought a load of almost ring 
years in on the last day of the transfer market. Um, really struggling. Went up there with half a team. Marlon Harewood up front to Wigan, who were a comfortable Premier League side. And they came away with a 4-0 away win. First Premier League game uh, ever. But there's always there's always a game where where something happens. You just don't see it coming. Hopefully it's not this game. I think Palace fans will probably say that they're not expecting much and they take a point. And you, you don't know how fit players are going to be. It's, and on top of that, you don't know, especially at the beginning of this season, because it's not it's not your traditional pre-season. So I think if Eze doesn't play, it's a really big plus point for Saints because despite the fact they're missing players, they're a unit and they're missing defenders, but they're a unit. They, they're well-drilled, they're organised. And although certain defenders are good individually, it's, um, it's important that they're well-coached at the back as a unit. And I think that's what Hodgson gets. So... We could score goals, but it's, it's the fact that if they're missing a flair player, someone that they need to unlock a door, uh, and Palace don't have a lot of those, if they're missing one, then all of a sudden it limits them to their opportunities. And, and I think they've still got a back four of players that know how to defend the Palace way. And if Eze is playing, I think that I keep imagining it with a crowd, and the crowd will be up every time he gets the ball. But I, st- I think the team will be excited, and I think they'll have a point of focus to which they can have some sort of positivity and some optimism. If he doesn't, you know, on the day says that he's not fit and he doesn't play, then they're really relying on Zaha to get them a win. So if he's out and they've got that defence, the Saints just play their game and take their chances, then it should be a win. But stranger things have happened and, and by no means will it be easy. It never is. We get wins at Palace a lot of the time, but it's never easy. It's always a fight. And, uh, and the lads have got to be really up for it. So um, what's your score prediction then, Tom? Let's, let's, if, let's go with that. I'm, I'm going to say 2-0 uh, to Saints. I was going to say 2-0 as well, but I'm going to go for a bit different. Let's go for a, let's go for a, a Saintsy scoreline of 3-1 Saints. Nice. When I, when I heard this, I thought you were going to say 6-0, so I thought you were really going out on a limb. Okay, that's, uh, I mean, that, that wraps it up. If you guys have got any comments on, on anything we've said, if you, if you, as I mentioned earlier, if you rate certain areas of the team differently to us, if, uh, if you think the first game of the season, or certainly the first few games of the season, is maybe a lot tougher than me and Tom are making it out to be, then let us know if there's anything you agree with or anything that you want talked about once the season gets started, then do let us know. Um, even if you've got an opinion on one of the kits that, uh, that are not all we crack them out to be. So then, um, then, then let us know. We've got a couple of things planned coming forward. Once the season kicks off, we'll do, we'll do some sort of review. We're hoping to have a really exciting guest in the pipeline as well. So um, yeah, follow our Twitter page to, to see updates on Twitter page for this podcast at under underscore saints um, you can find me Callum Wilson at Callum Wilson 21 and you can find me Tom Murray at T214 Murray thank you for listening I uh, hope you uh, hope you enjoyed this particular episode um, first one in a while regarding saints there'll be a lot more let us know if you enjoy these and take care